Hey, it's Andrew here, and today we're chatting with Brian Belfer, founder and CEO at Reforge, and previously VP of Growth at HubSpot. Tune in to hear what Brian learned by building, advising, and investing in over 40 different companies over the past 10 years. We discussed his thoughts on why retention is the one metric that rules them all, why churn is the silent killer, and what metrics you should be tracking to measure retention engagement correctly in your business. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With the browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, Brian. It's great to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me. Uh, exciting. Uh, it's been really great to learn from you over the years as well. I think quite a few of the listeners will have had read of a lot of your blog posts. And I think you've uh, been lucky as well. You've been part of building, uh, advising, investing in over 40 different companies now over the past 10 years. And uh, as you mentioned, one of your blog posts, some of them have gone on to go past 100 million plus, others ended in failures. And uh, today, like obviously what we want to touch on is a little bit about uh, your experience when it comes to retention engagement and what do you think some of these companies uh, did right and some of them did terribly wrong. Uh, so maybe we could just start off with uh, the one topic uh, I really liked and was sort of like an aha moment for me as well reading in one of your posts was uh, why retention is the one metric that rules them all. And maybe you can just touch on that. And Sure. Yeah, so like one way that I think about retention is that it's just kind of the um, – or I guess one way that I like to think about growth overall is uh, is just like thinking about it as as an engine, right? Um, and uh, and more of like this overall system with all of these moving pieces. And um, and so when uh, when I start to think about it that way, then what I really want to know is kind of well, what is the center of the system? What is like the center of the engine, the thing that um, is fueling everything else? And uh, in pretty much all cases for um, companies and especially software companies, the center of that engine ends up being um, ends up being retention and engagement. And so then the question is the question is why? Um, well, we need to look at how retention actually influences all of the other pieces um, of that growth engine and um, and how it actually and how it actually drives them. So of course, the first thing when people think about growth is is sort of acquisition. And so, like, why does um, retention? Uh, actually influence um, acquisition. Well, if you look at any sort of really scalable acquisition technique, um, that basically it um, acts as what we would call like a growth loop at, at Reforge, where we're like taking some input, 
And through some series of steps, it generates an output. We reinvest it back in the input and the cycle kind of repeats. And so when we look at like what the most common growth loops are, the ones that have driven the fastest growing companies, um, you'll find that retention actually influences them all. So uh, if we think through something just more on the consumer side or like, let's say in the B2B space, let's like think of like the B2B SaaS review site, G2 crowd, right? Their big acquisition mechanism is that they've got this user generated content machine where like users come in, they generate content, it attracts more users, more users sign up and it kind of repeats itself. Then they convert a certain percentage of them over to like their paid products. And so the more users you retain there, the more content that's going to be generated, the more content that's going to be generated, the more things that get indexed on Google, the more things that get indexed on Google, the more users you're going to acquire. So um, once again, like the retention is sort of the center of that. If you don't retain any of them, then that cycle actually never repeats. It also works on things like paid acquisition or sales, right? Um, because the big thing that are driving those two loops are really the amount of capital you have and, and how quickly you can reinvest that capital into either hiring more salespeople or buying more ads. And so once again, retention sort of sits at the center of those because the higher your, your, the higher the retention is, not only are you going to make a greater amount per customer, but typically you're going to earn that money faster or like recover your acquisition costs faster, which means you're able to reinvest that capital back into more ads or sales or whatever it is to keep fueling that loop, right? So once again, retention ends up being the center of that engine. Um, we can also think about it from a couple other perspectives where like um, retention actually ends up helping you build somewhat of a defensibility or a competitive edge. Um, uh, so kind of going back to that example in B2B SaaS space, you increase retention. Um, and as you increase retention, your monetization increases, you earn more money from your customers, uh, which extends your LTV. And in doing so, you can actually use that as kind of muscle to push out other competitors in the space. So, um, most acquisition channels are zero sum games, right? Like you get a chunk, your competitors get a chunk, right? And you're kind of constantly yeah. fighting. And so much space. That's right. And so the, the greater your monetization LTV is, which is driven by retention, the more you can typically um, spend on cost of customer acquisition. Uh, and uh, which means like, you can either push push your competitors out of channels or it might even open up new channels for you that were previously like too expensive for you. And um, as a result, once again, it goes back to fueling that machine even faster and it kind of compounds on itself. And so like, once again, like there's, I think there's some other ways that retention really um, is, is kind of the one metric that rules them all. But the point is, is if you look at, growth as an engine of the fastest growing companies, what you always find at the center of that engine, the thing that is kind of influencing everything else, um, it almost always, it's always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Yeah. It's amazing how many different areas it touches. And like you said, really helps you build that competitive advantage. Uh, it's, it's surprising as well. I think then in, in another one, if your blog posts, uh, you highlighted this quite nicely is that uh, like retention tends to be the silent killer. Uh, and uh, since it has so much power and its ability to fuel growth, why do you think it is that uh, so many companies 
and end up leaving it uh, on the back burner and stop thinking about it early on? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, right? It's like, okay, like I get it. It's the center of the engine. It's so important. Um, but uh, from, you know, most of the companies that I've been involved in, the ones that have died are for one of two reasons. One is they never reached product market fit or two, um, retention killed them in the end. And, um, and this is pretty, uh, you know, this is pretty common. It's become a little less common, thankfully, because I think people have started to realize the importance of it. But, you know, we look back to some of like the biggest fundings and quickest shutdowns, things like Homejoy, Fab, Branch Out, you know, these are now like maybe like five or six years old. But, um, if you look at really the core reason, you know, all of them showed amazing top line growth, right? And, uh, but if you look at the reason that they, you know, shut down, it's because underneath that surface, um, they didn't really have retention. And so the, the question is why? Um, and, you know, some of this is just kind of like human nature. Some of it is just, you know, like kind of company politics. But the thing about retention is that it actually, uh, you know, it kind of takes a while to show up in your top line numbers. So a lot of companies kind of like look at just top line numbers, whether it's acquisition or revenue numbers, right? It's kind of going up, uh, up and to the right. And if you have a retention problem, it's not going to actually show up right. It's not going to show up right away. It could, it could take months for it to show up. Um, but the thing is, by the time it really shows up and starts causing problems in your top line numbers, it's almost too late. Um, because, uh, because now, you know, your growth starts to flatten. And once you start, growth starts to flatten and you lose that momentum, um, things like, raising like things like raising more capital, your momentum with customers in the marketplace and like press internal team, like all that kind of stuff just starts to to slow down. So part of it is just that retention due to the nature of it tends to take a while to sh- tends to take a while to show up. And as a result, either like gets ignored or kind of gets deprioritized within the company. Um, I think that the second thing is like out of all of the metrics you can move, it's probably the toughest metric to move. Um, and, um, and I think, you know, a lot of times we just will, will kind of gravitate towards the easier problems, the easier problems to solve. Um, but the reason that like retention is a harder problem to solve is that it's kind of a mixture of what I would call like core product growth product and like what in the B2B world, some might also believe lives in like the, the marketing or like customer success sort of teams as well. And so you're talking about all of these like cross-functional initiatives. Team really, yeah, like and you, and one, one, one team can't solve it all, right? Uh, yeah. and, um, and, so, and so that ends up t- typically being a really complicated thing as well. And then I would say the third reason is that um, just in general, there's uh, a big lack of understanding about um, how to properly set metrics around retention and engagement, especially in the SaaS space, actually. I would say in B2B SaaS, you know, almost all the time I, I will talk with a company, I'm like, well, what's your, what's your retention metric? And they immediately say like an MR number, a revenue number. Um, but the thing is, is like revenue is an output of usage of your product. Uh, and, 
if the if your customers aren't actually using your product, in other words, they're like zombie subscribers, as like some people would call them, they're going to eventually churn anyway. It's anyway. just kind of a ma- it's a matter of time. And so some people are like, oh, no, 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 I'm not looking at just total revenue. I'm looking at like MRR. And I'm like, that's still too much of a lagging indicator, right? Um, you got to go one, 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 one layer deeper in to get to the, the leading indicators, which is much more around usage. And so... Um, I think that's probably like the third category of why it just ends up being like this, this lurking thing that ends up killing companies. Yeah. So you touched on something as well. I definitely see it as like a, a common thing that I've also come across is in terms of like tackling churn really is a cross-functional uh, effort uh, amongst an organization. And um, what are some of the things you've seen, some of the successful organizations that I've been able to tackle uh, churn and increase retention do as an organization when it comes to it? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, specifically when we're talking about a churn problem, what we're really talking about is like, how do we inc- increase engagement? Um, and so I think, you know, there's a number of things you can do on the churn side of like, um, just things like, uh, like credit card gunning and like all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but it tends to be pretty quick, low hanging fruit. It's incremental, only super impactful at like massive scale. Right. Um, the, the bigger things that are tend to be more impactful tend to be more around just like deepening engagement. And so when I think about SaaS, if, if we had to broad, if we had to just broaden like three huge areas, uh, of, of, how you would increase engagement, which is going to flow through to retaining on like subscription dollars. Um, it's going to be uh, either uh, basically increasing engagement um, in terms of like depth, the feature usage of the product. It's going to be increasing engagement across the organization, more people, or it's going to be increasing embedding, which is like more products. So um, the thing is about these three strategies is depending on your product, they have, different levels of like natural depth. Um, so if we think through something like Slack, right. And we think about, well, what is going to be like the core of that retention and engagement engine? Um, and, uh, what is going to most likely lead to, uh, like retaining on like, like retention dollars. Well, it's really going to be about increasing like usage and engagement across the breadth of the org among users of the org organization, right? The more users that are using it, the more messages that are going to be generated, the more that's going to be coming back from the product, the more collaboration, the more that's going to really reinforce the value prop. And this tends to be true for almost any product that, that is um, heavily around like collaboration or, or communication. Um, but then there's products like, uh, like, like HubSpot marketing, for example. And so while we found that, increasing usage across more users within the org did lead to increase retention. Um, basically just going from like one to maybe like two or three users in the org. It did help increase retention because if that one person left the organization, there were more people who were already embedded on the product. You kind of didn't lose that knowledge. It's just, yeah. we found massive diminishing returns, um, you know, past like a couple of users. And that's just because of the nature of, the HubSpot product, you know, it was like sold into a VP of marketing, mostly used among small, you know, marketing teams of like only a few people, um, you know, things of that nature. And so the bigger lever there is more about, well, how do we increase depth of usage around the features? And so, you know, what we found was really, well, 
dividing our applications into like, um, if we viewed like our application almost as like a map, you know, dividing the features into like different territories or use cases is getting somebody going from like one feature to using, uh, building a habit on a second feature and the second to a third and third to a fourth. We actually um, had, uh, it had much more depth than increasing kind of breadth of usage of the org. And so you can use both of these like very high level general strategies to start to think about, well, what has more depth? How can I start to organize around this? Um, and, uh, and start moving the, the triggers. The third, which is like just increasing embedding, you know, that typically only, um, it, it, that, that strategy is really only about like when you get to, you know, HubSpot size of like being a public company. And that's where we started releasing, going from the marketing product to the sales product, the sales product to the CRM, the CRM to the customer support product. And of course, you know, as we were able to leverage our customer base from our marketing product into those products, and just embedding in parts of the different org, it becomes harder for them to rip out any sort of piece of it. And that naturally increases retention as well. But that that's like a very kind of general, like late stage strategy. But that's how I would generally think about the three buckets of the strategy. And then of course, the depth and the granularity in those three buckets is, is immense, right? Um, and, and sort of depends on the product. Yeah, definitely. Uh, interesting, you mentioned as well around HubSpot uh, and how you started looking at transitioning different use cases. Um, when you started going about that initial research, like what were some of the processes that you took to sort of identify what those use cases were? Uh, how did you know which ones to start testing first to transition users to? How did you go about your initial like understanding and where to get started? Yeah, I mean, I think this depends on really how many customers you can have, right? Or you currently have. If you have enough customers, then there's a sort of there's like a certain set of um, like correlation analyses and stuff that you can do to find out. Well, um, you know, what are the uh, um, well? Well, let me back up. Actually, the first thing that I would do is um, initially like qualitatively sort of divide your product into different use cases or different features. You could, would, what you would then do is, um, is you could plot on, um, you, you could plot on some sort of, uh, sort of two by two make matrix about, um, I'm sorry, I'm trying to like visualize the graph in my head right now and, 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 and describe it. But, um, what you would want to do is, uh, um, okay. Yeah. So basically what you would do is, uh, you would plot on the y-axis basically the percentage of customers um, who use that use case. And on the x-axis, you could do like frequency of that use case. Just to get sort of a general sense of for these use cases, kind of what percentage of my customer base is really using my product for this thing and how frequently are they are they using it? Um, and that starts to I start to like identify like a couple things that will start to stick out to you in terms of like, whoa, like, um, I can't believe so such few of our, you know, customers use this specific like use case or the frequency might not line up with your expectations. Um, and so it starts to, that just like very simple analysis for a B2B product, I think is, is, is a pretty useful one. You could then move on to things like looking at the use case and look how, they individually correlate to um, kind of long-term retention on on dollars. And um, you could start to identify, well, which ones might have the biggest impact 
on on that long term retention. But you need a you need a specific you need a pretty decent sized customer base, and you know easier to do for those targeting SMBs versus those that are you know lower customer base, higher higher AACVs, stuff like that. So um, it sort of depends from there. And then you know the third thing you could just do is um, is that uh, you um, you can you know, once you qualitatively define these, these certain use cases, you typically kind of, if you can't do the correlation analysis, you can kind of qualitatively know or do a bunch of customer interviews to understand like what is like the core starting point and what are the most common sort of paths of to like second and third use case. That's kind of like what you want to plot out or like what those common paths are. And kind of once you have that, then you can then sort of build a map for every single customer. And you can say, um, you know, might even like look like a heat map where it's like, you know, for this customer, this use case lights up in green, they're using it, this use case like red and orange. And, you know, based on this starting point, we know the most common path is to, you know, use case two and use case three. And once you have like something simple like that, then you can rally everybody around it and say, uh, you can say the product team, they can focus on, okay, well, we know like, this use case is heavily underused, but they're, you know, let's target users using this use case, but not this use case. How do we deliver in product messages to them to try to move them over? You can align the customer success team around the same thing. They can like see this map, right? And they say, okay, I know they're using this one. Here are the common paths. Let me like, right, navigate that. You can align the marketing team around that, right? Like there's, um, so that's kind of like what I would, that's what I would do. And so, um, there was kind of a version that happened to that at HubSpot where we found like the massive correlation between moving somebody from one feature set to the second feature set. And then, then the whole rallying cry was like, just like the percentage of our customer base that was using two or more of these use cases um, and the customer success and the product team and all that kind of stuff rallied around it. Nice. So it gives you an easy way to understand as well how the whole team can play a part uh, in this transition and getting people through different use cases. Um, yeah. One thing you touched on as well, and you said uh, earlier, is that uh, like increasing retention is generally a hard metric to move, and it's a hard number to move. And uh, another thing you touched on as well is that it's actually getting harder over time. Um, so we see that uh, like increasing retention uh, has become a lot more of a harder job to do. Uh, why do you see some of that happening now in the market, and why do you think it's a bit harder now for companies to actually retain their customers longer? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think like a lot of things are <laughs> just in general in growth are getting harder overall, uh, and um, I think there's 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 a number of reasons for it. I think the one that is like always kind of espoused for a bunch of reasons is just like competition is basically getting harder, right? Or like it's you know there's just more and more SaaS applications um, out there within every single category. As um, software becomes a little bit cheaper to build, there's all these different tools. I mean, you think about anything like um, I was playing around with this great tool recently called Monkey Learn. And what they've done is they productize some of the most, uh, um, you know, common like machine learning use cases, right? And a really simple API. So like if you think about it, it's like kind of like Stripe for machine learning. Now think about that, right? Now you they basically enabled almost any SaaS application to start to very easily integrate machine learning without really needing like machine learning engineers, right? 
So, and this stuff just like keeps happening, becomes, keeps becoming productized, which enables just more and more, um, applications and, um, and more competitors. And so, uh, so, so that's, that's kind of, that's just kind of part of it is like, you're just, no matter what space you're in, you're, you're competing even, um, against a more vicious, uh, a more vicious crowd. I think the other thing is that, um, is that, uh, that, because because of that, that flows through through a bunch of other things. Channel fatigue. Want to think about content marketing? ProfitWell has a, some great data about how pro, content marketing among SaaS has increased sixty percent over the past five years. The, the cost of customer acquisition on it. Um, they also looked at like paid acquisition and sales and like all these other things. And so um, a lot of those things have just like become a lot more uh, a lot more competitive, a lot more saturated. And then specifically, like on uh, on retention, it's um, it's interesting. Is like we have more competition. There's more of this channel fatigue. Uh, it's just the bar in terms of impressing the user uh, is just getting higher and higher, higher and, higher. And, yeah. and and getting and, and you know building the habit. Right? There's just so little that um, users and customers are uh, you know are willing to kind of like put up with these days. And, and yeah. like, that's not, that's not going away. Um, and it just makes, which means it puts more pressure on the product experience. Um, product experience is harder to move than, you know, creating a, an, an email campaign, right. Um, or pouring more dollars into sales, right. The, they're just levers that are harder to pull than, um, than anything. So if I actually was to like, think about it now, I think just like the center of growth machines, um, in general, in the software space, um, has just been progressively marching more and more towards um, being centered around products and engineering. And um, and once again, those are just tougher levers to pull. And we see that in kind of the big like bottoms up motion and the, and the move towards that. That's also kind of a reaction to some of these older channels being coming more fatigued. It's kind of like, well, now I just can't get the return that I used to out of there. So. I got to get my users to do the work for me. And that really kind of informs the product strategy and what you build and the new, new, new players in the space. And, and the users are a lot less forgiving as well. Uh, so they've come to expect a standard now and there's no turning back from that. And it's only improving over time. Uh, 100%. Um, yeah. So next thing I actually wanted to touch on a little bit. Uh, and for those that don't know, um, obviously the founder of Reforge, uh, and it's a training uh, program for growth uh, professionals. Uh, I actually went through it twice. I did the retention and engagement series, which I thought was fantastic. Um, and the thing I think I loved most about uh, the course itself was actually the frameworks that you provide uh, during this course. And uh, I wonder if you can just tell us a little bit about Reforge in general, what it does, and then maybe diving into a little bit about the retention and engagement series and what that's all about. Yeah, so Reforge really started at my time at HubSpot. I would sit in these one-on-ones with my team every week. Somebody would be asking me about professional development. And and then I would spend a few hours trying to find them like resources or a course or a program or something that um, I felt was going to be really valuable for them and relevant to like what they were working on and what we were working on as a company. And nine times out of 10, I just I, I came up empty-handed. Um, it's just... Things for people like that are like existing professionals in roles. It's like our options aren't great. Um, you know, 
maybe maybe at the highest scenario somebody goes and gets a grad degree an mba but the things you learn there are so generalized and so far removed from any kind of functional area and software right it's just it ends up being hard like irrelevant that's why you hear most people go to mba and justify it with saying oh but it was a good network right um uh but and then on on the other side of the scenario we have you know yes there is more content um on the web out there than ever but i think what i found is that um the the structure the quality the depth and the credibility of that content um has gotten worse and so what you find is actually you know in a lot of the things that we're working on in these technology companies a lot of that information is still trapped in the head of a small group of like frontier practitioners who have just have happened to solve the problem already and so reforge has always been about like how do we untrap that knowledge and package it in a way for emerging and existing leaders in in various organizations to um you know acquire that knowledge implement it in their company and everything so um essentially at the end of the day we're trying to build a more like continuous master class um grad school like environment to, to learn like a lot of these frontier topics um and so one of our programs is the retention engagement series we built it out because we think this topic was so important we spend eight weeks i think there's like 30 hours of dense material on just like all of the different strategies and analyses you use around retention and engagement um we have a couple other programs one a more kind of general growth uh series strategy program for like product managers and marketers who are kind of venturing into this growth realm and then uh, more of an advanced strategy course for people who are kind of director and up and kind of really sort of paving the roadmap for the overarching product and growth strategy. So um, would love to have you. We have a spring cohort coming up. Uh, would love, would love if everybody applied. Yeah. Highly, highly, highly recommended. Um, so I said, as I mentioned, like one of the things that really struck me was the structure behind it and the systematic approach uh, to it. Um, and, and through the course, you, you take us like through a few different phases. And I think one of the biggest areas as well that uh, we looked at was in the beginning was activation. And really like that's where you need to be starting to get things right uh, at an early stage. Uh, as a new company now, Reforge, how long have you been going for? It's two to three years, three years? Uh, like Maybe like two and a half, something like two that. Yeah. So how are you thinking about uh, retention engagement uh, when it comes to Reforge? And what are some of the things that you're teaching others that you're being applied uh, within your organization? Yeah, I mean, Reforge is a very different scenario versus, um, uh, you know, versus like some of the other products I've worked on, like all the HubSpot products. Um, Before that, I worked on um, like a lot of stuff in the social gaming and social space during the, the Facebook platform boom. So, you know, what, what we're working on now is a seasonal high price product. Right. Uh, and so retention and engagement ends up being very to us ends up being very, very different. And, um, in the levers that we have to pull end up being very different as well. And so, uh, when we think about, um, somewhat of like the seasonal nature of our, the seasonal nature of our business and how our business works, our actual biggest lever that we can pull in terms of retention and getting, getting students to stay with like the community and stuff over a longer period of time is just having more, um, more topics and more courses and, and creating those. And that's because, 
Um, I'm sure if you realized, right, you, you worked on retention engagement for a while, but then X number of months or whatever later, you get put onto a new new problem and a new project, right? And you want to yeah. get up to speed on the, on the best strategies and that for that project as quickly as possible. And so the best way for us to, to really keep people engaged over a long period of time is to be able to serve those new, those, those new problems and projects. And so um, it ends up looking just so different from kind of the previous products that I've, that I've uh, worked on um, because until we have that, you know, we do, we do do some things to try to like keep some lighter touch points in between our seasonal cohorts and stuff like that. But um, yeah, like, for those of you who are dealing with seasonal businesses out there, you know, you've got an even bigger hill to climb on retention and engagement than, yeah. than, than others. So, so sorry to say, sorry to say that if I've, maybe somebody's putting their head against their desk right now, but <laughs> um, so that's, that's kind of what we're thinking about is just, you know, how do we keep people with lighter touch points engaged between seasonal cycles? And then our big lever is just really, how do we fill all of those professional use cases as, um, you know, somebody in a product or a marketing function kind of evolves and grows throughout their career. We kind of want to be there, right there with them. The way. Throughout the career. Yeah, I've actually, I've seen what you've said as well, because I, I have regular calls with a couple other people in growth and I know they've all been through various courses at Reforge. They've done the retention engagement. They've done uh, the growth series as well. So you can definitely see how they've stuck around because of the quality of the course. And uh, and I think as well, one other thing that's excellent is the community uh, in the course itself. So through the eight weeks or so, you get to interact with uh, people from different companies, uh, different stages, and it's really refreshing actually to hear just how many others face the same problems and issues and the same organizational uh, challenges. Yeah. Uh, I would, and, and I think that's actually a really important point and that a lot of people kind of skip over, which is um, I think when you listen to a lot of podcasts like this or maybe go to a conference or even come to a program like Reforge where we've spent hundreds and hundreds of hours talking to the best people in this space. We're like refining it, you know, into like an easy community, you know, sometimes when it's, when it comes across, like it's communicated in an easy way, it feels like it's easy to implement and apply. But at the end of the day, like all this stuff is hard. It takes time. Right. And I, and I find like a lot of teams might, you know, get frustrated, right. They're like, Oh, I heard this great thing at this, conference around this podcast and I went back and then I'll know it just like didn't happen. It's like, no, like, like stay with it. It's every whole grind. Everybody else out there is experiencing the same problem and grind to you. So whatever sort of humble brags you see on social media and stuff, it's like, don't pay attention to it. Stay the course, do good work and everything will work out. Absolutely. What works for others is not necessarily going to work for you. Like you say, so Dean, yeah, so I think, I mean, we can wrap it up here, Brian. Thanks so much. It's been a fantastic uh, call. Really enjoyed chatting to you and uh, look forward to seeing what's coming next with Reforge and uh, what courses will be released uh, coming soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you, and you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. 
Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.